Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. We got coffee. You know we're recording before noon when we have coffee and afternoon when we have wine. Although <laughs> that's not really true. Probably. I mean, I'm sure we've drank coffee late and had booze early. That's true. This is true. We don't really have a time, do we? Um, if oh, I was going to say, if this was Sunday, we definitely would have been drinking. But it is Sunday, isn't it? Do you want Kahlua for that coffee? No, I need a mimosa. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had brunch in years. Well, no one's had brunch in a long time. 2020 is actually seven years freaking long. I know. This, this is not the longest You were just telling ever. me someone's birthday is next month, and I was like, fuck, is it still May? <laughs> still May. We live in May. Dude, we live in May through March. Like, this has been, <laughs> this has been the longest decade. So 2020 has been the longest decade. <laughs> we're going to look back though. I was talking to Jeff about this and I said, you know, we, cause kind of we're getting out of quarantine. It's not totally, but we're kind of, and we just left our Airbnb and he's like, are you going to look back and miss anything? And I was like, you know, I think there's so many good things that have happened and we're all, I mean, like nine 11, like certain times in history, we can look back and know what we were doing. I feel like 2020, we are going to look back and know what we were doing and feeling and what's been happening. There's been so many things. And I'm like, you know, yeah, I mean, we're just going to have like these funny stories, even like the quarantine thing and having to leave. And we'll just be like, remember when everything got shut down and we couldn't leave our house or remember when this happened. And so I'm just trying to go, you know, this we're always talking about enjoy the journey or you hear this, enjoy the journey. It's not about the destination. And we just have had to just relax into this year and figure out this journey because it's a journey. I know, you know, it's um, a lot of people have been super productive in the last few months. I mean, and if you haven't, that's cool too, whatever. Uh, but it's interesting. I remember Danny Coleman always says that routine is good for productivity, but it's bad for making memories. Mm. So like, yes, we'll remember, but like quarantine, will just feel like a blur because yeah. we really didn't do anything. Yeah. You know, we just kind of like sat at our homes and, you know, worked on internet business stuff. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the I main mean, unless memories... you're listening to this and you're a mom and you're like, fuck you because my kids have been home and this is definitely something to remember. Yeah. That will be the memory. The memory no. of <laughs> when you became a stay-at-home <laughs> a teacher. A stay-at-home teacher. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Poor moms who are working from home because they had to go home for work and had their kids and multiple kids. You know, I thought about just, you know, a child. And I was thinking about these kids who um, are working and they still are, were in school but online. Yeah. 
but like my brother has six kids right. and luckily some of them are not in school, but I'm like, what if they, they can't have six computers, six iPads, like they all have to be working and sharing. Like yep. it's a lot of money to give everybody an appliance or whatever. And what, what the a computer's not an appliance. What no. is it? Electronic. <laughs> I mean, appliance. everyone gets an appliance. <laughs> you get the toaster, <laughs> you get the blender, <laughs> you get a fridge, you get a freezer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway, it's, it's weird. And, and I want to talk today about starting over. And I think this actually is a good topic for right now because because of what's going on, a lot of people are going to have to start over. And mm-hmm. it was also brought up in the last episode. We're talking about limiting beliefs. And this one that I kind of uncovered myself is this fear of having to start over and mm. do things again. And I was chatting on a podcast, um, someone else's podcast the other day. I was being interviewed. And she brought me on because in my bio on Instagram, it says helping you rebuild. And she wanted to talk about rebuilding. And so I was like, I've had to rebuild so many times after being paralyzed. I had to rebuild after losing my home. I've had to rebuild after, um, getting divorced. And so I've had all of these moments of having to do that. And I think that goes back to some of this fear of not wanting to do it again, not having to start over. And I said in that interview that sometimes starting over feels like a punishment and we have to look at it as a way to, um, we get a chance to reinvent mm. ourselves. So we get a chance to make things how we wanted them to be. And so I wanted to really kind of dig in and, and like go deeper into what does that mean? And like how we can make it not feel like a punishment. No, no, it definitely feels like a punishment. It almost feels like it was because you fucked up, mm-hmm. right? Like even looking at you, and I know we haven't fully told this story. This might actually be a good time to tell a story about you being paralyzed because that wasn't technically your fault, right? Like our husband's cheating on us, I guess, wasn't technically our fault. Like, sure, there are some things that like maybe we missed. We weren't communicative in some ways, whatever. But at the end of the day, sometimes it feels like a punishment because you're like, fuck, like I, it wasn't my fault that yeah. this happened. Yep. It was someone else's fault. Or in your case, you know, getting a bacterial infection that you couldn't have prevented. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. how would you know? And so, you know, did you have a lot of feelings? Did you have to overcome a lot of feelings of um, unfairness? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is good, too, because, you know, right now, COVID-19, it's nobody's fault. And some people are having, facing consequences, and it's not their fucking no, fault. No, it's not their fault. So, yeah, the the story is, and I haven't really talked about it on here. It's kind of like placed on my bio sometimes, and I don't really bring it up too much. But my first job out of college, ironically, I got my degree, and then I joined the circus making my parents so (laughs) proud. (laughs) But um, I was a gymnast and um, I was coaching and worked with people who I lived in Las Vegas. So worked at Cirque du Soleil and were acrobats in these shows. And so I was introduced to this acrobatic world and I started doing some performance stuff on the side, like um, during conventions and aerial performance. And I found out about an audition at SeaWorld for an acrobat. And they, it was a summer job. It was basically Memorial Day through Labor Day in the summer. And then we, we started back in April for practices and stuff like that, rehearsals. And so I got the job and our show was in Mission Bay. And so it wasn't the tanks with the animals. It was strictly an acrobatic show. And the Bay, if you don't know and aren't aware, which I wasn't at the time. This is in it, San Diego. It's in San Diego, yep, is... Um, it is very contaminated and there's been lots of sewage dumped in that bay and in like Tijuana and it's just north of Tijuana. So of course you dump sewage in some water. It doesn't just stay right there. It's going to move around. It's going to just seep all over and bay water. You know, when you have tides come in and out, it's more stagnant. It's not like there's constant waves pulling it in and out. So the water's a little more stagnant and full of bacteria. And so we were in these, in the water, 
eight hours a day just performing. We had um, the stadium and then there was an island maybe a hundred yards away. So we would jump into the water, we'd swim to the island. Then we would do like these flips off of this gi- this giant swing set into the water and like just, we were like launched off of this thing. So we're in this water all the time. And during this time, people were getting sick. We were getting sinus infections, having diarrhea. We knew there was bacteria in the water. Um, I didn't understand what it was really from. I didn't realize I was like swimming in sewage, but um, it was disgusting nonetheless. And if you've even been in California ocean water, it's not like the pictures you see of Fiji. It's not clear. It's not the prettiest. And uh, long story short, I woke up one morning, fell out of bed. Um, I thought I had sciatica. Ended up after two or three days um, going to the hospital. They sent me home with pain pills, said I had sciatica, got worse. My boyfriend at the time was like, I don't know what to do with you. I have to leave. He was a performer in a traveling show, sent me to my mom in a wheelchair. Uh, I had to fly back to Vegas. She picked me up, wheeled me to the the hospital there, and I ended up staying for a month. And after three days, um, the first three days, I just don't know. I was really feverish. I didn't know what was going on. But my doctor came in and she said, "Uh, Danny, you're not going to be able to perform again. Um, We're not sure if you're going to be able to walk again. And you're lucky to be alive. And all I heard was, you're not going to perform again. <laughs> and I was like, no, I need to go to work. I need to tell my boss, Amy, that I'm coming in. And I think they were like, yeah, you don't understand what's happening. Um, and so I didn't realize how bad this really was. I got this bacterial infection in my bloodstream, basically sepsis, and it could have killed me. And I was on IV antibiotics and just, they were watching me so closely. And um, because I didn't really understand, I I thought that once the bacteria was gone, then I'll just instantly be able to walk again. But that was not the case. I got damage to my sacroiliac joint um, and bone and joint and cut off all of the nerves to my legs. So basically paralyzed from the waist down, couldn't walk at all. And so I left the hospital, um, unable to walk, have to move back home with my parents, which I was super independent, like moved out on my 18th. I actually moved out before my 18th birthday, had to come back for a few weeks. And then 18th birthday, signed a lease and got out of there. I was like so independent, wanted to leave, wanted to get the hell out. Said what I think so many of us say when we leave, I'm never coming back, never living with my parents. So I was not only just so devastated by losing my independence, but then losing my ability to walk when my degree was in physical education, my job was coaching gymnastics and acrobat. So physically, everything was wrapped around that and now I can't do the thing. And so I was so pissed off. I was so upset and feeling like things were so unfair. And honestly, I remember multiple times when they told me that this could have killed me. Once I got out of the hospital, I remember just thinking, I wish it did kill me because I don't want to be a handicapped person. And then the debt was crushing. I didn't have um, insurance and it felt overwhelming super unfair. And I literally had no idea what to do next because I had no other skill sets. I didn't believe I didn't want to do anything else. I wanted to do exactly what I was doing and it didn't seem fair. And so it took a lot to flip that around. Um, and to tell you the truth, what did flip it around, it was uh, a friend of mine who was diagnosed with cancer around the same time. And she visited me at SeaWorld, saw me in the show And then she came to my house once I got out of the hospital and I was at the time using a walker and I could kind of just move my right leg and then drag my other leg behind me. And I opened the door 
And she just stood there and she goes, oh my God, Danny, I'm so sorry. I can't believe this happened to you. It's so unfair. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) She was standing there saying it was so unfair. And she had just been diagnosed with cancer. And at this point, it had been getting worse. Like when she came to see me at SeaWorld, she had just started chemo and all of her hair was falling out. At this point, we knew it was getting worse and she didn't have much longer. And I just felt like such a dick. Like she's saying it's unfair to me and yet she's not even going to be able to live. And that was a big turning point. And, you know, it was my pity party of months and months. And then she came in saying it was unfair. And I was like, wow, at least I'm getting a chance to live. And so while I didn't have a plan of what to do, I knew I better get my head out of my ass. (laughs) And that was when I really started to make an effort to get off pain pills, to rehabilitate myself and to get moving. And it was a slow fucking process. And the very first time I went up the stairs, I even remember my parents' house was two stories. And when I got out of the hospital, I was sleeping on the couch and my mom didn't like it because she wanted her house nice and she didn't want me back home either. But I'm like, I can't go up the fucking stairs. So I just started to practice and I, it took me, I don't know, probably an hour to get up the stairs. I was so exhausted. I was like holding onto the rails, just kind of dragging myself. And um, I remember at the moment at the top of the stairs, I had these two competing feelings. The first feeling was like, I did it. And I was so, I felt so good. And then almost just as instantly, I got upset. And I was like, I used to be able to run three miles without even breaking a sweat. And why is this so hard? This sucks. And I probably spent, I probably slept for the next 18 hours because it took that much energy out of me just to get up the stairs. But that was the beginning of starting to start over. And that's why I think starting over feels, it feels to me, whenever I think about starting over, I think about that stair climb. That first time feels so hard, so heavy. And now of course I can run upstairs. I can do all these things. But when we have to start over, sometimes it feels like that, whether you've started over walking or not, I think even starting over in a new relationship, starting over in a new job can feel like that fucking staircase. Oh my gosh. So it's so good. It's like the metaphorical staircase, right? Like (sighs) even when you think about maybe you just left your marriage or you left a long-term relationship and you're like, okay, I'm financially on my own for the first time. Or I, you know, I don't know what it's like to be single. Or like, I remember even you and like small things about leaving our marriages and, you know, even saying we were kind of joking the other day, cause I'm getting some new furniture in my place. And we're like, don't have, you know, someone to help you put the fucking furniture together. It's like a totally just different space. And you can sit there and you can be so upset about it. And like, it's all justified. And that's the thing is like, you need to allow yourself to feel all the feels like you did and really like honor them and be aware. And then it's so interesting because we want to know in those moments of starting over that we're going to be okay, right? Yeah. We're like, someone just tell me it's going to be okay. Some people, someone just give me a guarantee that I'm going to get through this. And there isn't any guarantee. The only thing is that like a year from now, you'll be okay. Yeah. You know, and you have to almost have that just like that faith. I, I hate to like call it faith, but it's like you have to have that faith, that trust that like in time you something will happen. Something will always happen. Right. Like, I don't, I mean, I know that we all have this cautionary tales of people who are still bitter from, you know, getting divorced 20 years ago. But I think if you're listening to this, you probably have a growth mindset. You probably are someone who, you know, can really has a range of feelings. You are an empathetic person. You, you know, have some self-awareness. So you probably go like, fuck, 
this feels like a punishment. This is all wrong. I shouldn't, I know you and I both did. We shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have had to leave my marriage. I shouldn't have had to be in Los Angeles with the fucking rents that we pay here by myself. Like this is the only place I can go. Like you feel shoved into a corner by these things, especially maybe if maybe wasn't the loss of a relationship, maybe it was the loss of a job. That's one of the hardest things because it wasn't even because you did something wrong. It was because the company was downsizing or because they, you know, are doing like they're not doing well. So they have to lay you off and you're like, and you feel so, Uh, it feels so unjust and it feels so unfair and you feel like, why am I being punished? Especially if you put in a lot of time, you know, in a marriage, you put a lot of time in a job. It's like, it feels so fucking unfair. Well, that's why too, it's those little moments of small celebration and then you suddenly get mad at the same time. Like I remember when I first moved into my apartment out of my marriage and I put my fucking couch together and I was like, I did it all by myself. And then it's like the same (laughs) moment. And at the same moment I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is what my husband should have been doing, you know? And so it's so, it is just like that top of the staircase moment of like, you have a, I made a step forward, but then you go back and go, except maybe even just like getting lease. Like, well, I had more money before this and now I'm just like starting over with my savings and it's so difficult. And I think one of the pieces of starting over is we have to, we have to celebrate the small wins and it's hard because we go back to like, but I used to be at this spot or it used to be different. And like being in a new relationship, you, you were going, oh my gosh, I got 10 years. Now I got to, I have to know someone for that long before, you know, it just feels like I'm going to be dating someone for two or three years now before I even know if we're together, we should be together. Like we just mess ourselves up in our minds. Um, one of the things about starting over is one of the ways I flipped it, at least from the marriage part, I can't say this about the walking again, but is I finally got to a place where I thought this could be a time where I get to reinvent myself. Mm. And so when I, w- I always loved back to school, my favorite part of going back to school was my mom. That's the only time we really got to buy clothes. So she'd always let us buy five outfits. Like, so I'd have one new outfit every day for the first week of school. And then I just basically could only rotate those clothes. And so I remember, especially in when I go to a new school, like sixth grade and high school and college, these were all people I'd never met before. So I could be like, maybe I want to be gothic this year. And then I could be preppy next year. Like I could be anything. I could be somebody brand new Mm. because nobody knows me. And so I feel like the one opportunity we have in a way I could flip it so that it doesn't feel so heavy and such a punishment is when you start over, you get a chance to do something totally new and be somebody new. So if you've always wanted to maybe like run a business or you've always wanted to be to travel and to do things a little bit outside the box you didn't get to do in your marriage or you always wanted to do something else, this is the chance you get to like really reinvent yourself and create a brand new version of you. Mm. All right, we're doing a quick shout out to our sponsor of this episode of the podcast, noissue.co, C to the O, like company creating yes <laughs> co-working like actually like co um so speaking of company uh you know if you have a company you can put your company's logo on some really fun packaging and tissue paper so noissue.co is go to the website first of all check out the pictures see what they have because that's when you really get the idea of what this is but you can put logos on stamps stickers packaging and really like set yourself apart to like 
have fun details. Yep. And what's really cool, one of the things I love about, even if you guys go to the website and you're thinking to yourself like, okay, I I do want to make some customizable packaging. For example, Danny and I do a lot of live events. And so, you know, if you do swag bags or you do something where you're, I don't know, going, you know, maybe you're putting on a shower for one of your friends or something, it would be just really memorable. And they have um, something you can look at called just inspo. And so if you're like, ah, I don't really know like where I should begin, they have this whole thing that just kind of walks you through the process and shows you just different ideas for tape, for mailers, for tissue paper, for bags. Um, and they're all sustainable and there's really low minimum orders, which is what I love about it too. So for example, say you're putting on like a shower for somebody and you just want like, you know, 20 of these bags, you don't want to have to buy like thousands. And I think that's sometimes a huge barrier to entry for people. I was like, I don't want to have to customize hundreds of things. You can just grab really like low order minimums, which is great. And that, by the way, you guys, Dan and I do a lot of this stuff and that's actually really rare. Yep. So we really appreciate that about No Issue. They're making it accessible for people who have small budgets. Um, and so if you guys are putting on live events, you're putting on little get togethers, or if it's a shower or a wedding or engagement party, and you want to have something that just looks really nice and memorable for your guests, it is something that we recommend. Noissue.co, C-O, use the best life at checkout to get your discount. Now, the walking thing, that wasn't, that was an exciting thought for me. Um, but in these other, in these other circumstances, I think it can be the case. And even if you do lose a job, lose an income, you know, speaking from experience there too, things can shift so fast. I know after the economy flipped and we were making less than poverty line the next year, we did six figures and then grew and it can happen so quickly. And I did not see how, like sometimes we just right. can't see the path. So we're like, I don't believe how it can happen. It will happen because I don't know how, but you know, sitting here, Jill and I are sitting here in Manhattan beach and we were just talking the other day of like, you know, two years ago we came to Manhattan beach just for a, you know, just for a Sunday fun day kind of thing. And who would have thought you would have been living here. And so we don't always know the hows. But we have to be able to trust that something can come out of it and we can create something new even if we don't know what that looks like. Yep. And I, um, I love that because it, it does come down to trust. And I actually posted something on social like uh, about a month or two ago. And it's a quote by Anise Nin. And it says, you live out the confusions until they become clear. And it goes to, especially what we're talking about in coronavirus, about like, there's just so much uncertainty and everyone wants to know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? What's it going to look like? You know, and we talk about this all the time, you know, people, especially in our business space, people are asking us, you know, what do you think about the economy? What should we be doing? Like, you know, what's it going to look like? What's, you know, what should people be focusing on? And, you know, we can give our best, you know, guest, but at the end of the day, it is kind of cruel, but it also is the reality that we just can't know. We just can't know what it's going to look like. We can do our best. Like you said, we get to, you know, choose what we want to do, choose where we want to put our attention, choose where we want to put our creativity, our effort, our attitude, all those things. But at the end of the day, you know, time will pass. And then a year later, we can fill in the blanks. Yeah. The blanks that we wanted so desperately right now have been filled in. And you wake up one day and you're like, oh, that was why that, you know? Yeah when you're in the thick of the loss and the pain of that and someone telling you like, this is for the better or like, you're just going to come out of this amazing. You're like, fuck you. <laughs> like, you're literally like, are you serious? Because it's so much loss. And we talked to, yeah. we did a recent episode on, um, you know, releasing things and, you know, letting go. And like, I think that's one of the hardest parts is the familiar, even if it wasn't that great, right? Yeah. Even if you are like, I wish it would be different. Even the familiar is just that it gives you that sense of certainty. And, 
moving forward, if you have to start over, there's no certainty you have. And I agree with you. I think it is an, a generous, um, opportunity for creating the life that you want or doing yeah. something different. And, and I don't think you have to fit it into the old paradigm. I yeah. don't think you have to be like, well, I was married before and we lived in a house with a picket fence and had the dog. Okay. This next iteration needs to look like I need to get married and I need to have a house and I need to have a dog and the picket fence. It doesn't need yeah. to be that iteration. Again, you don't just need to swap someone in. And I remember you when I talked about this, we've had a com- conversations about this with friends of ours that are recently divorce is you just have that feeling of like, I just need to be back in a long-term relationship mainly because that's all, you know? So the idea of like sleeping around for a little bit or just like, you know, dating multiple people at once, or, you know, I don't know, maybe being polyamorous even like just something. It just, it's not even on the menu for you because you're coming out of this other space. That was great. But also there's so many other great things that are on the menu. It's so good. And that is such a great example. Even when I was in my partnership with the Sweaty Buddies, when my business partner kind of bowed out, I remember going, okay, who's going to fill her spot? And I was like, I'm going to have to audition someone to be the other Sweaty Buddy. And because the vision for the brand was her and I, and we were the Sweaty Buddies. And I sat with it Mm. and I just remember going like, looking through my friends list, who could be the other person? Who could I trust to be part of my business? And I, I don't, I, someone had suggested it to me and I didn't like the idea at first, but then it was really the thing that made it more successful was I decided to make the people, the fans, the sweaty buddies. And so I would say things like, Hey, sweaty buddies, this is Danny J instead of like, Hey guys, we're the sweaty buddies. Mm. And it was a flip and it ended up working out so well. In fact, even better than the original, but I, at the very beginning could only see what we had been doing and thinking, I just need to pop someone else in this girl spot to like Mm -hmm. fill the, fill the place. And so giving myself the space and just having conversations to make it look different ended up making it look better. But in that moment I was kind of trying to do the thing, like fill in my husband with a new husband. And I was like, you know, (laughs) we did something different. And so things can work out better um, or just different and maybe not always better. Um, But you, you got to be open to not staying attached to how it looked, how it's going to look. And also, I don't believe truly that we always fully start over, like from scratch. Yeah. I think we go into our next iteration with all of the skills, mm. with the knowledge, with the lessons that we had before. So starting over again in a relationship, it's not that we're starting over because now we have the lessons that we mm. learned from our past relationship. Starting over in a business... Now you know so many more things about marketing. You know so many more things about your customers. You know so many more things about all of that. Um, so we never really are truly starting over. Uh, there's a guy, Jordan Harbinger. He's a podcaster. And he was on a podcast called The Art of Charm. It's a huge podcast. And the story that I understand is that basically he kind of got kicked out of his own podcast. And they had millions and millions of views and downloads. Not views, they're, still, they're still on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. And, and Jordan Harbinger was out. And he had to start over, like, and he decided he wanted to do his own podcast. So he had the Jordan Harbinger show. And within, I want to say like less than six months, he's down to like a million downloads. And, but a normal podcaster starting out, like we're not, we're not getting a million downloads a month. And because he was able to do that because he had all the skills before all the contacts, the network, he had all of that. So when he started over, he started up higher than he normally would have been. And so we have to remind ourselves too, that even if you lost your job, you're going to be able to start again with 
new ideas um, with the old skills that you've had, with the experience that you've had. And so you're never really Mm. starting from the bottom. You're starting from above the bottom, even though it feels like rock bottom. It's so good. I love that you mentioned that because I hadn't thought about that. And it's like, yeah, it does. It kind of translates in some ways. I had this client a couple of years ago who was a teacher and she just um, wanted to make some changes and she ended up quitting her teaching job. She was an elementary school teacher and she had a love for health and fitness and she wanted to start online business. And so she hired me and like, as much as she was quote starting from scratch, she still had so many skills as a teacher. I'm like, look, you're just translating instead of being now in front of a group of fifth graders and talking, you're actually just talking to people that are your age, but still need to learn. And you have the, like, you have the ability to teach. I would much rather that than someone who had a degree in health and fitness, but can't be a teacher. Yeah. You know what I mean? So she was coming from it. Like, I'm not qualified because I need more credentials and I've never done this. And I'm like, but you have done it. You've just done it in a different way. And so I, I love that just reminder for us to be resourceful and be like, okay, but what skills do we have? How are we better off? And I think, you know, sometimes predicting, uh, going back to like, just wanting to slot yourself back into the old version. You know, if I think you and I both had an idea of the kind of people that we would be dating in our first kind of real relationship after. And I know, I know for me, it's not at all what I thought it would be. And I was just like, just so surprised at what ended up showing up and what ended up working because it was complete opposite of what I thought I would be doing. And it's so great. But if I had, you know, turned off my blinders to different possibilities and I just had my eye on this, like one thing that I needed, I would have really cut off so much just capacity to have so much joy in my life. Yeah. It's so different. It's funny because we just did that limiting belief episode. And I know for you and I, we talked a lot about living in LA and guys that are in our age range are only dating younger girls. And the irony is that both of us are dating guys who are younger than us. (laughs) And we were talking about guys that were older than us dating women younger than us. And we ended up getting the flip side of being the older women dating younger guys. Yeah. Now we have a whole new set of limiting beliefs that we have to get over. (laughs) So true. I'm like, am I getting dumped when I turn 40? (laughs) So I have some work to do. But yeah, I do think it's important that we don't, we've been talking about catastrophizing things a lot, but we don't catastrophize the starting over because we do have so many more skills and lessons to begin where we don't necessarily have to begin and go through so much of the hardship. Um, that's, you and can also I, recognize it. Yeah. And I want to say that with a little asterisk because sometimes there is a lot of hardship and there's a, like, for me climbing the stairs, fuck, I hadn't had to learn how to walk since I was a fucking 11 month old, <laughs> whatever I learned to walk the first time. And I don't remember that. And it was probably fun then because everyone's cheering for you, right? <laughs> you're, you're excited when you're a baby learning to walk when you're fucking 22. It's not so exciting. Um, but that part of you that goes back to just beating yourself up for where you used to be, where you should be by now, is never helpful. Um, and the truth is, had you stayed on that path, you don't know if you would have been mm. better off, more successful or anything. Because sometimes I think, oh, if I had this, if I had done this back then, I would have been, you know, I'd have way more money in the bank by now, or I would have done this by now. Well, who knows? I could have made a really shitty investment and lost it all in an, another scenario. I could have done all kinds of things. Um, so we just really don't know. And I think I really believe that every single human being has to start over in some way, at some point, and oftentimes many ways. Jobs, relationships, finances are definitely the main three. And while the like feeling of like unjust feeling or unfairness never goes away, even if you've done it before, 
you at least recognize it. And I can say that with every time you've had to rebuild or restart over, you never like it. It never feels awesome. It never feels good, but at least you're like, okay, I've done it before. I can do it again. You know, you have that sense of self-efficacy. Like I can trust me. I don't like, we've talked about this in the relationship stuff. Like how do you, like, how do you trust a new relationship? It's like you, you have to, right. And so like in this, you could, cause you can trust yourself. It's the same exact thing. Like it never feels good, but at least you're like, oh, it's this again. You know, it's like, okay, like, all right. Like you can get your mental energy ready for it. Nagar Fanuni in her book, um, what is the book called? Sometimes, sometimes it feels like this or where is it? It feels like that sometimes. Is that what it is? Where is it? It's on my bookshelf somewhere. Anyway, we'll put it in the show notes. This is just what it's like sometimes. Yeah. I think this was, and she kind of talks about, and it's a, it's a kind of memoir about her healing process after her last long-term relationship. And if you haven't read it, it is a beautiful, beautiful read. Um, and you know, it's, she just said, you know, you just do it one moment at a time. You literally just get out of bed and you open up the shades and you make the coffee. And like when you're rebuilding, sometimes it really is just these really small steps. And then that turns into the next day and that turns into the next day. And before you know it, you look up and it's been six months and you're still here, you know, and I always go back to what Byron Katie says, which is we're never given more than we can handle. And I know a lot of people don't like that sentiment because there are people, you know, obviously you take their their own lives and things like that. But at the end of the day, I always feel a lot of, um, soulless in that you're never giving anything you can't handle. It's like, yeah, we can, we're resilient people. And you have to have that belief. If you believe that you are, can't be better or you can't come out of this stronger then that's probably going to be the reality. Yes. So good. It's a good one. Well, I'm glad you finally told the story. We've, we've mentioned you being paralyzed several times, but I, I'm glad you had a chance to tell the whole story. Yeah. It's really great. And the long, I mean, to, wrap the end on it it's, you guys have seen me on social you know I can walk again uh, it took about a year till I could walk fully normally I could walk without um I did I went to a walker and then a cane and then I was embarrassed by the cane so I basically just was like really limping for a long time but I could walk without any detectable weirdness after a year and I would say it was about four years I still had like lingering pain um, and like stuff going on, but I'm, yeah, completely better. Like people would never know. They would like, I had no clue that ever happened to you. And so, you know, it's just to say like, we are resilient. We can get through it. And that year was going to pass anyway. So it was either going to pass with me feeling sorry for myself, Mm. staying on pain pills and taking a lot longer or going, okay, I'm going to take the baby steps to do something different and try something. And I'll Mm. say this too. Even if I could never walk again, even if that had been my, like I was stuck in a walker, um, just because of that experience of my friend passing away, I felt it was my duty and obligation to make something of it because I thought she didn't, she passed away a year later. So I was hospitalized in July, July 1st, um, and she passed away the next year, July 26th. So it was within a year that I was already walking and she had passed away. And so within that amount of time, it was a lot of perspective for me at a young age to go, I'm not going to waste this. So whether I could walk or not, you know, I don't want to waste it. And I'm grateful that I can, but I do know that if I couldn't, I still would have made something of myself. I love so that. I love the idea, the reminder that time's going to pass anyway. Yeah. So we sure can choose is. what we want to do with it. Sure. And fa- so good. Pass fast, except 2020 doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> this is the slowest year. <laughs> so anyway, would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. And, um, on how you have, you know, made it through these times. Um, 
I really, truly believe everybody's had a moment of something. So love to hear how you've coped, yep. struggled, fought. Or with maybe you're going through something like that right now. You yeah. know, feel free to come to our community, um, thebestlifepodcast.com and share with us kind of where you're at with things and how you're handling it and, you know, where your mindset's at. And we'll be happy to support you in that. Love to. All right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Okay. Bye.